Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is your girl, Jamie, of the Jamie Lee Jones Foundation for Dual Diagnosis of Chronic Illnesses. Coming to you today to uh, bring awareness to Sickle Cell Awareness Month, which is going on currently for the month of September. Um, I want to dedicate this podcast to a great friend, a sister, family, Felicia Smith, who indeed lived with sickle cell disease, sickle cell beta thalassemia to be exact. So let's start with understanding what sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease is. It's basically a genetic disease of the red blood cells. And if you know, normal red blood cells are shaped like discs which allows them the flexibility to travel through even the smallest of blood vessels. But with sickle cell disease, the red blood cells become abnormal and form what we consider a crescent shape, which is resembling a sickle, um, which in turn causes them to be sticky and rigid and prone to getting trapped in those small blood vessels. It blocks the blood from reaching different parts of the body, causes pain and tissue damage. So anyone who lives with this illness may have what the medical community considers a sickle cell crisis. Sickle cell disease in itself is what we call an autosomal recessive condition. Let me give you a better understanding of that. That if you have two copies of the gene, you are considered to have sickle cell disease. If you just have one copy of the gene, you are just considered to have the trait. Okay, so it's sickle cell disease and sickle cell trait. But I'm sure you're asking yourselves, well, you know, how many types of sickle cell disease are there? There are multiple types. So let's start with hemoglobin SS disease. It is the most common type of sickle cell disease that anyone can have. It occurs when you inherit the copies of the hemoglobin S gene from both parents. So both parents have to have this specific gene in order for you to have what they consider hemoglobin SS disease. It is, in fact, the most severe form of the disease that you can have. Second one is hemoglobin SC. It's the second most common type. And it occurs when you inherit the HBC gene from one parent and the HBS gene from the other. You have similar symptoms um, to the individuals that are living with hemoglobin SS. The anemia, though, is less severe. Um, So... You won't be cold, you know, it, it won't be as severe as the most common type. Third type, which I did state in the beginning that a friend of mine lived with, is hemoglobin SB plus beta thalassemia. That affects the beta globin gene production. So that means that the size of the red blood cells 
is reduced because there's less beta protein that is being made for the body. It's inherited with the HBS gene, but you also have hemoglobin S beta thalassemia. Symptoms are not as severe, but still a crisis can occur. Um, You know, my mother used to work for the Sickle Cell Center down at Howard University and, you know, did research. She was a nurse that did research and worked with various patients, Um, you know, and of course it is a common illness among African-Americans, Saudis, Indians, uh, places where there are cases that malaria can happen. So it's more common in African descent, people of African descent. Um, You also have hemoglobin SB0, which is considered beta zero thalassemia. That's the fourth type of sickle cell disease that a person can have. But what this involves is the beta globin gene. There are similar symptoms to hemoglobin SS anemia, but the symptoms sometimes are, are more. Um, It's associated with a poorer prognosis, but the symptoms are more severe with this one. And then you have hemoglobin SD, SE, and SO. These types of sickle cell are more rare. Um, They usually don't have the severe symptoms along with the first four that I have mentioned previous to this one. And finally, you have your sickle cell trait. Sickle cell trait is for those that are people who only inherit a mutated gene. So the hemoglobin S comes from one parent that may have the sickle cell trait. And then you also have no symptoms, but or you may have reduced symptoms. So when the crisis occurs, when the cells get sickled and they're trying to go through the blood vessels, you know, it's the symptoms are reduced. It's not to say that they're completely gone or that they're gonna just be limited it's just reduced reduced crises things of that nature um and I know a few people who live with sickle cell today um and yes the pain that is associated with uh sickle cell um is unbearable and I say unbearable at times because yes they have to go to the emergency room they have to go to the hospital There are things that, you know, need to be done so that they can continue to be healthy and live a somewhat normal life. Um, Who is at risk for sickle cell anemia? So, you know, previously I said, you know, we have more African-Americans and those of Indian descent that are more likely to have this, uh, to carry the gene or the trait or have this disease. But we have children that have sickle cell disease if both their parents carry the trait. So how do we know if your child has it? Well, they do tests. Um, They do blood tests. Um, And I'll get into that a little bit later. But usually when, especially a black woman or parents are getting ready to have a child, they test the amniotic fluid in the mother to see if she carries the gene. Um, So the tests are being done. Um, And the test that is done is called the hemoglobin electrophoresis. It determines the type 
of sickle cell that you have. There are various complications, um, and I don't want you know people to think or look and say, oh, well, they don't look sick. You don't have to look sick to be sick. Um, that is a myth that I'm still trying to wrap my fingers around. We want to just ensure and bring awareness to whatever chronic illnesses are out here because it's important that people are knowledgeable. If no one is knowledgeable, then they cannot speak facts. But you do not have to look sick to be sick. Um, There are various complications from sickle cell anemia. We're talking about painful or damaging blockages that are considered what we call sickle cell crises. They're caused by illness, changes in temperatures. So when the weather changes, there's probably more complications for anyone living with sickle cell disease. And a lot of times when you have chronic illnesses, the weather change, change in temps, everything uh, does cause a crisis or cause, you know, me living with lupus, it's something where it causes pain and the pain is just unbearable beyond belief. Stress. Stress is the number one factor that will cause anyone with sickle cell to go into a crisis. So we have to relieve our stress. We have to get those stressful, whatever is the stressor or the stress factor, we have to remove that from our life. If we do not, yes, you're going to have more complications than not. Poor hydration. I don't know how many ways to say it. Um, as a fitness professional, a person who lives health and wellness and healthy lifestyle, you guys living with sickle cell have to, and I say have to, stay hydrated. We're not saying stay hydrated with juice or soda. We have to do water. Water is important because it allows those cells to not sickle. So when you're dehydrated, the cells go from being discs that can flow smoothly through the blood vessels to turning into the crescents, which are sickled, and it causes more pain because they cannot flow through the blood vessels because you are not hydrated. That has to be of utmost importance. And altitude. So if you're living in a mountainous region, you know, it will definitely affect how your body reacts to whether below sea level, at sea level, above sea level. So altitude is definitely important. You also have severe anemia, hand and foot syndrome, splenic sequestration, and basically is the spleen gets enlarged to the point where it may be that you have to get your spleen removed. Delayed growth, neurological complications, eye problems. Eye problems are, it's sad, but we want to make sure that our eye health is taken care of. If you can't see, you, you, you know, it brings a a form of stress, a form of frustration. You know, we got to get, make sure that we're eating properly to maintain and live a healthy lifestyle. You also have skin ulcers. Heart disease, and so when it comes to heart disease, one of the things is you have to exercise. If you don't exercise, you don't work out, you don't eat right, 
you are at risk of having a sickle cell crisis. So I previously mentioned that you do a blood test, but the question remains, how in fact is sickle cell anemia diagnosed? So of course I did say that they look for the sickle cell gene in the amniotic fluid, but they also go based on patient history. So if the patient has been complaining of pain in the hands and feet, they're going to run tests. If it's pain in the bones or they're anemic, they have anemia, the spleen is enlarged, um, if they're having respiratory infections, and a lot of times upper respiratory infections are, that is a major factor. There's a lot of times that those that I know that have lived with or living with sickle cell disease will have respiratory problems. We'll have to go and get antibiotics to take care of a respiratory infection. And that's something that we have to look at in further detail, but understanding the total body and how your body reacts to illness, ulcers of the legs and heart problems as well. When they do the blood test, they're looking at what the blood counts reveal. So if they reveal um, that is abnormal, they're looking for a hemoglobin level within the range of six to eight grams per deciliter. And then they also are looking at the blood films, which show that the red blood cells, in fact, appear irregularly contracted cells. So they are sickled, they're turning, and sickle solubility tests, they look for the presence of the hemoglobin S to determine the type of sickle cell that a person is living with. I will say, you know, Felicia was a great person and she did her research uh, to understand her illness a little bit better. But I will say that there were a lot of questions, not just, you know, from family, but people just trying to determine like, okay, is she really feeling this way? Is she really sick? And I will say as a person who does live with various chronic illnesses, you cannot just look at a person and judge a book by its cover. Felicia definitely um, lived with a lot of pain daily to the point that she had to try to figure out how does living with sickle cell coincide with depression? You know, what is it that makes a person feel like they're depressed, like they don't want to live to be around people to just function daily as an individual. And, you know, depression and other psychiatric disorders are common in sickle cell disease. And the rates of depression, they are similar to those found in other serious chronic medical disorders. So we have to ask ourselves the question, do we just go see a medical doctor? Do we go see a mental health professional? How do individuals who live with a chronic illness go about maintaining their life without falling behind or being a recluse or not wanting to be around people? Me personally, I thrive off of the energy that the people that I'm around bring to me. 
So I want to be around those bringing positive energy. So we have to really look at if someone is not understanding the illness that you're living with, what do you do? So the answer to that is you help them and you educate them. You provide them with the necessary tools so that they can do the research themselves. It's few and far between, but we have to ensure that our friends, our family, co-workers know and understand what we're living with. Now, I'm not saying you have to go and give them your whole entire patient history. But what I am saying is if you are around people, you're working, you're in an environment, they need to know how to deal with your situation. They need to know how to take care of you. They need to know what are your stressors, if there are any. I will say when I was working full-time, going to meetings all day, every day, put a stress and strain on my body because I was in meetings out of my eight-hour workday. I probably was in meetings for four hours. And I just, I couldn't begin to function. But when I realized that going to this job, doing the meetings, having to put together programming and things of that nature, that was taking a toll on me, not just physically, but mentally to a point where I just felt like I was shutting down. And I basically, my mind just left the building. So we have to take care of ourselves. Um, You got to understand the symptoms of depression and anxiety. And so when you have a better understanding of the symptoms, then you can answer the question. So the symptoms include chronic pain, um, overwhelming nature of medical complications, fatigue, ulcers, renal failure, anything health-wise. If your body is shutting down and you feel like, oh, I have sickle cell disease, but now I have diabetes. And now on top of the diabetes and me taking insulin and being insulin dependent, I'm now taking all other medications. Okay, my mental health is not there. So I have to take medication for anxiety because I feel like when I'm in put in a situation where things are greater than myself, I cannot deal with it. No one should have to be on a lot of medications to ensure that they are functioning normally. I think it really works from the inside out. And so when I say inside out, I'm talking about diet. I'm talking about prayer, deep in prayer, um, your faith, um, understanding and maintaining the lifestyle that you want. So when it comes to sickle cell, the treatment, what happens once you've been diagnosed, you have all somewhat all the answers. The treatment involves rehydration via intravenous fluids. That helps the red blood cells return to a normal state. Um, if you are dehydrated, there is a chance that your red blood cells are going to deform and assume the sickle shape. So water is your friend. I don't care, you know, 
what, how many ways you, you do it, you put it, you say, well, I'm still drinking. But if you're drinking sugary drinks or drinks that are full of caffeine, there's a point that your body is going to be resistant and it's not going to take. And so you're going to put yourself in a state of a sickle cell crisis. You also have to treat underlying infections. Um, that's an important part of managing a sickle cell crisis. Understanding that the stress of an infection can, in fact, result in a crisis. You also have blood transfusions that uh, many patients do get, they receive. You also have supplemental oxygen. Pain meds, they can be over-the-counter or prescribed from your doctor, as well as immunizations. But what do you do when you're not in the doctor's office or when you're home? So home care is key. You definitely, definitely have to take care of yourself. It is inevitable. Sometimes you are absolutely going to feel like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But what is your why? What is your reason for living and maintaining? Is it your family? If so, then here are your your points to home care and making sure that you live a healthy and active lifestyle. For pain relief, heating pads, they are a wonder. They help. I will tell you, it is the best thing since sliced bread. I am telling you from experience. Any pain that I have, especially for me, associated with my lupus, it's one of those things that I'm like, Wow, I have relief. Now I can move. Supplements, folic acid is absolutely important. Your doctor can prescribe those for you. Definitely, supplements add to you. They don't take away from you. They add to you. You definitely, your diet is key. So The diet for anyone living with sickle cell disease is eating adequate fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. This is just a natural part of life. Nutrition. Nutrition is key with any illness. If you are not eating your fruits, your vegetables, taking in your water daily, yes, you are going to have problems and complications. Water, water, water. We are made up of mostly water. So it's inevitable that we have to drink enough water to sustain and live. Exercising regularly. Even if you take a walk around the neighborhood, let me just say walking is great exercise. And I'm not saying you have to walk 26 miles. Take a couple of laps around your neighborhood. Find a high school that has a track that you can go to in the evening. Go to a gym. If you can't afford a membership, they do have drop-in fees. Go to a gym. Let's start on a regimen. If you feel like you need someone who can be your accountability partner, maybe look into a personal trainer, someone who can probably come to you to help you get on the path of exercising regularly. You exercise, those get those endorphins going, You're happier. Life is great. 
And then finally, support groups. You can check with your local, your hospital, your doctors, community centers, even trying to put together support group yourself. Let's build a community where there are people that are living with the same illness as you, those that are going through the same problems as you. Reach out. But if you don't take the time to learn, to know, yes, you're going to have more crisis on your hands. Um, I just want everybody, the end goal that I'm going for is everybody living a healthier lifestyle without all the medications. Let's see if we can do it naturally. Naturally meaning shopping correctly, going to the grocery store with a list, understanding how to read labels so you understand how much sodium is in this particular food group or, you know, the difference between monounsaturated and saturated fats. There's just a plethora of information out here. Utilize your resources. I am one of those resources. I don't mind doing the research. I do one-on-ones. I do group settings. I want the end game that everybody is healthy and living life to the fullest. This is Jamie Jones from the Jamie Lee Jones Foundation. Please check out our website, www.thejljfoundation.org. Check us out on social media. You can go to the website and go directly to our social media pages. With that being said, everybody have an absolute blessed day.